How is everybody? All right. Not very convincing, but it's good to see you. Um, want to uh, thank everybody for being here. So we're going to talk about words a little bit today. And so I found a couple of word jokes. A man decided to join a monastery where you were only allowed to say two words every ten years. After ten years in the monastery, the head monk summons him and says, you've been with us for ten years, what two words would you like to say? The monk replies, I'm hungry. So the head monk organizes for an extra ration to be given him each day. After 20 years, the head monk calls him in again and asks, what two words would you like to say? The monk replies, too cold. So the head monk organizes for him to get a couple of extra blankets. After 30 years, the head monk calls him in and says, what two words would you like to say? The monk replies, want to leave. The head monk says, well, I'm not surprised. You've done nothing but complain since you got here. <laughs> I'll never forget my grandfather's last words before he died. Are you still holding the ladder? <laughs> All right, I'm going to save the rest. All right. So um, I'm really excited for today. We are in a new series um, in the Gospel of John. And uh, the Gospels um, in the New Testament, if you're kind of new to this thing, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, they each tell the story of Jesus in a little bit of a different way. Um, they had their own audiences that they were writing to and wrote intentionally uh, for you know, specific purposes to the community that they knew. Um, the Gospel of John uh, is believed to have maybe been written by the youngest disciple of Jesus, a young man by the name of John, and probably written around 90-ish A.D., give or take some years. So uh, we're talking maybe going on 60 years um, after Jesus had been raised from the dead. And uh, John even writes in his Gospel, it comes later in his Gospel, um, the reason why he put these words um, into this story about who Jesus is. In fact, I, I pulled that verse out. It's going to be up on the screen. Um, here is what John says. It's uh, later in chapter 20. He says, but these are written, these words are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Well, we're not going to start at the end of John. We're going to start at the beginning. And uh, I just want to tell you that if you're somebody who really likes for, like, Bible studies or things to move really fast, um, don't come for the next month or two. So um, we are going to spend the next... We're going to go through chapter 1 all the way up to Christmas. And we're going to spend quite a bit of time um, looking at what is called the prologue of John's Gospel, and um, it is the first 18 verses. 
And um, as you will maybe find, uh, it is one of the most beautiful and powerful passages in all of the Bible and is known even just for its literary um, appeal to people um, in and outside of our faith. So grab a Bible. Um, There should be one around you if you didn't bring one. And uh, there's page numbers up on the screen. And I would like to read through uh, the first 18 verses. We're only going to talk about the first uh, three verses, but I'd like to read through this prologue with you today as we get started. All right, here we go. Verse 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and created, God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believe him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. We have, he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Um, All right, thank you for uh, reading that with me. We're going to go to our question. Here it is. Uh, What were your first impressions about Jesus, and how have they changed? We're going to talk a little bit about how our understanding of God evolves and changes through our life today. So uh, I'd love to have a few of you answer the question. Bill and James are going to run the mics. You get their attention. You uh, stand up, speak directly in the mic. You can give us a brief answer. Um, Who would be willing to get us started? What were um, your first impressions about Jesus? And, you know, how have they changed in your life? Hello, I'm Galen. Um, let's see here. I had this conversation with my sister, who's a few years older than me, um, several years ago, and she asked me, what is my view of God? And so I, I like to paint word pictures, and so I was like, well, my view of God and Jesus was like, like I'm a kid at a kitchen table with a paper and crayons, and I'm building worlds, and he's 
off doing his, you know, he's in the kitchen doing his thing and um, kind of keeping an eye on me. And she's like, well, you're kind of close. It's more like he's sitting at the table with you asking you questions. He wants to get involved in your life. He wants to understand everything you're doing. He wants you to explain what he's doing, how he's, uh, uh, what you're thinking, and everything like that. And just that realization has opened up so much to me. Hmm. Thank you, Galen. Yeah, appreciate you sharing. All right, Summer. Hi, I'm Summer. Um, my first impressions were it was just someone that the adults talked about in church. Um, it was something that we learned about. Um, through my job, I actually got the first connection I had with Jesus Christ with understanding that he was brought here to bring us kindness and love and understand that the meek and um, lowly were a part of the world and needed to be a part of us instead of just thrown off cliffs. And it clicked that this is someone that was given God-given gifts and could only be um, through God that his actions had such an impact on the world. Thank you, Summer. Man, we have a deep answers this uh, morning. Who else would be willing to share? Um, what were your first impressions about Jesus and how have they changed As a kid, he was the playmate for summer for summer Bible school, hmm. um, and then he didn't exist. And then when I got to middle school, he became a guide. Hmm. Thank you, Heather. Uh, for me, growing up, um, I really didn't understand all that stuff. I was too selfish in my own ways. Um, after my overdose, and after basically I got a second chance, everything was different. Um, I try to walk and be in his light every day. Just try to be a better person try to help others like he did. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Yeah, struggles kind of change things for us, don't they? Anybody else love to do another one if somebody else would be willing to share? All right. Hi, my name is Cassie, and um, my first impression of Jesus was um, he was my Savior, and um, I was saved at 12, so I was pretty young. And um, then... When I was 12, my brother passed away, and Jesus became my enemy. <laughs> um, and then I grew up, and now he's my savior again. So. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, I, I think we'll stop there. I love um, the answer. Oh, you want, you want to share, Russ? So we'll, we'll do one more, and then we'll wrap up. So, um, and uh, I sure appreciate everybody's answers. I hope everybody thinks about it. Can you stand up? Yeah. My name is Russ. Uh, I think... As far back as I can remember, there was a lot of confusion. I, uh, history is what I, my first impression is that he was a huge role in history. Hmm. And uh, I was very, you know, into intellectual in thought. But today I see him all around me and he's alive. So, yeah. Thank yeah, you. very cool. That, excellent. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I love, I love the answers and uh, thank you for sharing and uh, if you'd like to discuss that, we're going to talk about it at Spirituality Recovery tonight at 6.30. Um, so I want to tell you as we get started in John's Gospel that one of the passions and joys in my life is to take a Bible passage and seek to first understand it in its original context and, and then share it with you in a way that is relevant uh, for your daily life. So that's going to be our goal uh, today and as we go through John's gospel. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, 
Um, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And so if we take that seriously, um, our challenge is to take words in the Scriptures written some 2,000 years ago and apply them to our lives today. Um, because if our thinking changes, our lives will change, right? Um, now, I know that the Bible can be difficult to read sometimes. I wanted to acknowledge that from the beginning. Uh, it can be very hard to understand. Uh, sometimes it's pretty easy to kind of get lost in, in what is being written. And, uh, and sometimes it, it's hard because it can be very challenging because there's stuff that we read that we, we don't like or we have questions about. What I want to do is I want to encourage you uh, to be open to learning um, as we go forth uh, in this series. Um, these words, and, and I mean all of the scriptures, but I think especially the Gospel of John, these words uh, do have a power to change our lives. And uh, so um, I'm pretty pumped to, to share with you. In Second Timothy, it says that all scripture is God-breathed. It comes from the third chapter and, uh, and what, what really um, I think the author of 2 Timothy is saying is that, is that these words in the Bible are not just an ancient document, but that they are the living, breathing Word of God. And that they are meant to tell us how much God loves us, that He wants to be in a relationship with us, that He has a plan and a purpose, and that He wants to kind of interact with us um, through what is what we've come to know as his word. Um, and let me give you an example of what that, that might look like. Um, I'm wondering if there's anybody here who has ever, like, read something, particularly in Scripture, and felt like, wow, that, that was exactly what I needed to read today. Anybody ever go through that? Um, I know I have. And it's like, you know, God, how did you know that I was supposed to read this passage Today And so what, what um, Scripture teaches us about Scripture, the Bible, is that there is literally a, a sense of, 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 of awareness on the part of Scripture because it's a breathing organism and God can use it to speak directly to us. Another example I've had, I actually believe that when, when God's Word is shared or taught or proclaimed or even sung that, that it also has a power. And I'm wondering if anybody here has ever had um, an opportunity where you've maybe been sitting listening to somebody like me. I know I've had this happen. And somebody speaks and it feels like they're speaking right to us or right to me. And it's like, and like I've had people once in a while come up and say, how did you know what I was going through this week? And I'll say, I have no idea what you're going through this week, but God does, right? And so sometimes the Word has this, this power on, unto itself. So I wanted to share this because um, the first few verses in John's prologue that we read refer to Jesus as the Word. Say the Word. And we're going to learn today that when he refers to the word, that he's referring to Jesus. And it's kind of an odd reference if you think about it. He says, in the beginning, the word, in other words, Jesus, already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. So there's this sense that, that he's 
like using a, a name other than the name that we have come to know, and that is Jesus. What is that about? Is it like a nickname that they've given Jesus from the beginning? Um, like, you know, anybody here have a nickname that you've lived with most of your life? Yeah, so a lot of people get nicknames and they carry them with their life. One of the interesting things I learned in the recovery world is if you have a common name, um, you get a nickname tied to your name. Uh, like my friend David in the back. You know, there's a million Davids that we meet. And so um, he has the nickname. I don't think you like it, do you? Alabama Dave. Um, and, uh, you, know, if, if, uh, you know, if somebody says David in my world, I'll wonder, well, I, you want to see how many Davids I have in my phone? Um, but if you say Alabama David, I know exactly who you're talking about. So that's kind of, you know, is that what they're saying? Like, Jesus... The word. Is it a nickname? That's not it at all. Uh, In fact, it's much more. Uh, Throughout John's gospel, we're going to see that he uses imagery to seek to convey deep truths about God in Christ Jesus and his love for us. And so whenever you see something that you wonder about, chances are there's a deeper meaning. John was trying to figure out a way to help his readers understand who Jesus was and who he is. He wants to convey this story or this message of God coming to earth as a human being, as his one and only son, Jesus. And interestingly, uh, both Greek culture and Jewish culture had similar conceptions of the word, word. And that's what we're going to spend most of our time on today. For us, the word is like some letters on a page that identify or describe something. If you see the word church, an image comes to your mind. Um, Or um, words are an audible, understandable, descriptive identification. So we hear a word and we know what it means. Um, I told you I have a couple more jokes. Okay, I'll tell them right now. Why is girlfriend one word but best friend Two words. Because your best friend gives you space when you need it. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. So once in a while, I tell you a joke, um, and and you don't get it until later. Um, Sometimes you have to come up and ask me, you know, like, I still don't get it. This is one of those jokes. A man walks up to the widow at a funeral and asks if he can say a word. Of course, she replies. The man gets up some courage. He stands up and he says, Bargain. The widow looks at him, tears in her eyes. She says, Thank you so much. That means a great deal. (laughs) Who doesn't get it? (laughs) You don't want to admit it, do you? All right. Uh, So here's something um, that I found kind of interesting. Um, You know, languages are different. Uh, The old Hebrew language that the Old Testament was written out of, it had about... um, 10,000 words. 
So not, you know, that seems like a lot, but it's really not. The Greek language that the New Testament was written in had 200,000 words. Words in other languages convey different things than what we understand them to be. One of the really interesting things from this concept of the word that you will get in uh, history from other languages um, is that it conveys something a little bit more and something deeper than what we've come to understand it to mean. So, for example, in the Hebrew Jewish language and the Greek language, the words for word, or the word for word, spoke of a word as a living force. That the word actually does something, it accomplishes something, it's a living, moving, active force. So you go to the book of Genesis, which we'll do a little bit later, and it says that God spoke and things were created. It was a living, creative force. And, uh, and so both Hebrew language and Greek kind of understood it that way. And we know, you know, I just referred to maybe reading something that, that really spoke to you or hearing somebody say something that really spoke to you. We know that words have power to them, right? Like if you hear the words, I love you or I'm proud of you um, from the right person, that can really mean something for us. Um, some of you are still de- dealing with negative words that were spoken to you as children that you have carried with you and that you are still speaking to yourselves and they actually have become a ceiling that you can't break through. They've become something that has limited you and something that has created a sense of difficulty in understanding your own value and self-worth. Things like you're a loser or you're never going to amount to anything. You know, we, we learn when we're kids, um, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh, that's not true at all, is it? Not true in any way. Uh, words have a power to them. They have a force to them. So that's what the, the words in those ancient languages referred to. Um, the Hebrew word for word is dabar, And in the old Hebrew language, it means a dynamic force. So as I mentioned, God created by his word. Uh, The word, or debar, described God's action in the world. Um, It developed into an understanding of God's wisdom and God's promises. So you read the prophets and they are referred to as God's word that is active and yet giving us promise and guidance in life. Or the book of Proverbs is, comes to be, be known as a debar, um, God's wisdom in his word. Psalm 119 verse 105 says this, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Your word does something, huh? guides my life. It's a promise. It's a guide. So John, when he writes these words in the beginning of his gospel, he says, do you want to see God's word or movement in the world? Look at Jesus. You want to see God doing something? Look at Jesus. Get to know Jesus. He will create a new you. He's continuing to create. He delivers promise and understanding and wisdom. He can guide your life. Jesus as the word. Now, in the Greek, the word for word is logos. And uh, for the Greeks, uh, logos does, uh, does, a, 
does far more than just um, mean word. It describes the mind of God that brings order to life. So it has a much uh, greater significance. There was a Greek philosopher, I don't know if you ever studied Greek philosophy, uh, by the name of Heraclitus, and uh, he, he would talk about how the world is in constant flux and change, that it's always moving, it's chaotic, um, and, uh, and he, he, would, he would say, here's, here's his example, he would say, okay, you're standing by a river, and you step in the river, and then you step out of the river, and because the river is moving, if you step back in the river, you're in a new river. That's what the world is like, you would say. It's continually moving and changing. That makes sense, right? And so every time you step into the river, you're stepping into something different. Um, you woke up this morning, you're in a new day. You know, it's kind of the, it feels like the same you, but it's like a new day, a new person. Uh, there's a new opportunity today because life is chaotic and it is constantly changing. You with me? Logos, he would say, makes this river the same river every time I step in it. It's that which brings some order to my life. It's that which brings some stability to my life. It's that which helps me wake up today and the Logos, you know, says to me that even though, you know, it's a new day and things are different today, that there is a stability and um, a sense of order to it. And so um, both of these words kind of come together in what, G- what John is using to describe Jesus. He wants to, uh, he says, you want to know God, get to know Jesus. Jesus is what God wants you to know about himself. Jesus is who God is. Now, if you're fairly new to this um, thing, the Bible uh, church thing, or more importantly, if you used to be kind of around church and there was just too many questions, too many struggles with, with faith and the Bible and Jesus and you've left, um, let me kind of just address one of the common questions that, that people have um, because we're talking about Jesus of the New Testament, right? We're talking about Jesus in, in John's gospel. Um, what about the God of the Old Testament, uh, what about the God who commanded whole cities to be wiped out? What about the angry, destructive God? Did God change? Um, is it the Old Testament God that we need to look at or the New Testament God that we need to look at? Or how do we kind of figure them out? Well, I want to tell you, I'm going to give you three sentences that are probably the most important sentences that you can know in regards to this very question if you've struggled with it. Um, I've put them up on the screen. um, And here here would be my understanding of what it is that we um, read in the Scriptures about this God who seems to have some inconsistency about him. So in the Old Testament, it is not God who changed, but it is human beings' knowledge and understanding of him that changed. So there's an evolution to people's understanding of who God is and how he works in our life. And so in the Old Testament, what they wrote then, inspired by God, was built on their understanding of him at the time. 
So when you read the book of Exodus or Leviticus or whatever it is, that's the people's understanding of who God is at the time. Jesus brings greater clarity to God's identity and character. Now I want to suggest that this should not surprise us. Um, so we it kind of referred to it in the question time today. Has anybody's understanding of God changed at all over your lifetime? Yeah. So it shouldn't surprise us that we're going to see an evolution even um, through the Scriptures. Um, so um, if you are in search, for example, of a higher power, if you're kind of new to the whole church thing, but you're searching because life isn't going so well, um, you can know this higher power personally. That's what John would want you to know. He's, you can know him in Jesus, the word. He will bring some order to your life. He will bring love and grace into your life. Um, and, uh, and one of the things that we can know is a sense of peace and well-being through him. So we're not quite done. I still have uh, just a couple of things left, um, and then we are going to wrap up today. So um, I find it really interesting that John sets the beginning of his gospel in the comic creation story. Uh, in the cosmic, I think I said comic creation story, cosmic creation story. And, uh, and I, I put up on the screen Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. Um, if you know your Bible, these are pretty familiar, but for some of you, they might be new, and there's kind of a, a similarity between how John starts his gospel. It's from the very beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And of course, if you know chapter 1, it goes on to say that, that God then spoke, and light, and um, you know the world as we know it was created. And it's that setting that John begins his gospel story telling us about Jesus. Says that the Word was with God all the way back then. That the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Um, I, I wanted to share those words because, um, you know, in my time at Lighthouse Church and in my time of my own life and journey, um, I, I realized that some of the words of that kind of original creation, words like chaos and formless and empty, um, may be pretty good descriptions of our lives sometimes. Um, darkness. Um, anybody ever been in darkness, a dark place? I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. And um, one of the things that um, I think John wants us to see is that, is that God understands that kind of place where we might find ourselves now and then. I know that sometimes life can feel like you have stepped into the river and the current is so strong, you're not so sure that you can stand there. I know that life is um, somehow um, always moving, always fast, always chaotic. And sometimes you're going to feel like you're going under and trying to catch your breath. And sometimes you're going to feel like you can't get your balance or your footing. Things will seem out of control. 
what John wants us to know is meet Jesus, the Word, the Logos, who holds things together, who brings order and continuity and stability, the Word, Debar, who brings new life and promise. He is here for you. So I'm aware that many of you come here um, and have come here for a while and have found Lighthouse to be a stabilizing force in your life. Praise the Lord. That's pretty cool. Uh, for many of you, you have come here and you have found Lighthouse uh, to bring light into your life. And uh, I know that there are people here um, who, who think now and then, who'd have thunk I'd be going to church, you know, every week or multiple times a week, but here I am. And um, I know that there's a lot of factors that, that bring people here and that bring them back. There's things like some of the recovery stuff we do. Um, there's the welcoming nature that we find here. We're a pretty welcoming group. Uh, the transparency really speaks to people sometimes. The come-as-you-are attitude. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I know that we are a lot of things, but one at our Lighthouse family, if you kind of consider this to be part of your family, the real reason why this is a place of hope and light is because Jesus, the Word, is active here. And He's doing stuff. Uh, we don't always see it. Uh, we don't always know that it's happening in us, um, in our lives. But, you know, the longer we come here, the more we change. The more things begin to look different in our life. The more are changing, and therefore our lives even begin to change. Um, God's Word, the Word Himself, is doing something in our lives. You know, I, I asked... Um, <clears throat> Um, a little while ago, if your understanding of God has, ever, has evolved over your life, and uh, mine has a lot, uh, my understanding of who Jesus is and my understanding of who God has, what, man, it has changed dramatically from my childhood. But one of the things that I've experienced um, is that in my um, last years of recovery, um, my understanding of life and my understanding of God have changed more than they did all 50 years before that. And, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the things I'll sometimes say is that, you know, in my early recovery, it felt like I was getting a Ph.D. in life. Anybody ever feel that way? Like, man, you learn so much about life and, and um, your, you know, how we make decisions and how we do things. Um, but these last years especially, I think I've learned more about God um, in relationship to my life. So, um, for example, I'd like to say that, you know, um, I'm now, um, I'm going to be 62 this month. Can you believe it? Yeah, right. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I would like to think that, man, at age 62, I am like, I have got it figured out. And I realize that I... Um, seem to have it some days less figured out today than I did when I was younger. Um, it seems like um, I'm continually learning. There was, a, there was a gentleman at our last service um, who before church, you know, he was pretty excited to tell me. He said, um, I've been uh, sober 36 years today. That's pretty cool. And I said, you know, I said, that's pretty cool. And he said, I still feel like I'm a beginner. 
Some of you know exactly what that feels like. Like I'm still learning, you know. And I have found that um, in this journey of mine um, that, that I need uh, God's love and grace and guidance as much today as I ever did before. And um, thank, thank the Lord that he doesn't give up on us, right? Thank the Lord he doesn't give up on us. Here, here's what I want you to know. Um, that God is here to continue to work in your life. The word continues to be active and, and bringing order and some stability in the midst of chaos and promise and hope and light for wherever it is you're going. You know, the whole story of John's gospel is a love story. It's about God's love for you. Um, it's all about what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. Um, I tell you all the time, God loves you unconditionally. There's nothing you can do that's going to make him love you more today than he did yesterday. Nothing you can do today that's going to make him love you more tomorrow. His love is 100% certain, and that's what John wants you to know.